Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 672 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, April 12th, and this is another Fireside Chat. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going? What is happening? Uh, it's going okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not it, – there are a lot of good things, but there is a bad thing, and that's why – well, that's why we're here today. So we had to gather today. Yes, we are now on our schedule. This this officially starts our schedule here. Yep. We're going to be Fridays. We did we gave you a little double dose because we did miss last week, and so we hit you with the Tuesday beat, and now we're here on Friday, normally on Fridays. And I think we're going to try to be in the late a.m., early p.m. time frame, so it will be available in the afternoon. And uh, we're getting back to our, our roots <laughs> um, yes. This first started, I don't know if it was around this time. I think it was later in the month. I think it was about a month in mm-hmm. to the season when uh, a favorite of ours, Luis Castillo, just wasn't working. The the infamous phone call coming back from a movie telling you we need to talk about this. We turned it into the fireside. Nick Pavetta was certainly a guy that, uh, you know, Scott Pianowski dubbed him America's sleeper, which I keep repeating because it's so good and yeah, he deserves credit right, yeah. for it because he absolutely was. Everyone was in on him, which means he wasn't a sleeper at all. He's been brutal, Nick. Like, not wobbly, not small sample. I mean, it is a small sample, but it's not like wash it away with small sample. He's been terrible. His FIP is 504. That's what it, that's what it should be smoothed out to. Um, everything across the board outside of the walk rate, which I guess, hey, one positive, has been worse and markedly so. The velo is down about a tick. Strikeout rate is down seven ticks to 20%. That, that walk rate has had, held steady at 7%. For Nick Pavetta, a four-point four clip off of his swinging strike rate to 8%. The hits are through the roof. The homers are through the roof. Add it all up, it's a 945 ERA and 218 whip through three starts. It has folks wondering what they should do in all formats right now. I think in a 10, uh, you could cut him if you yep. find somebody for sure. 12, I think... If the right guy's out there, you know, if Matthew Boyd's still out there, somebody exactly, in that yeah. range, Must you grow. make the move. But you start getting into the 15 and you're NL only. I understand why you're asking, but is it time? Let's talk about Nick Pavetta. You recently – you watched his most recent start, the one against Washington. So let's dive in on that. That was three and two-thirds, seven runs on seven hits and three walks. Did have six strikeouts, his highest of the season, and ten swinging strikes. We're taking away anything from that – what did you see with Nick Pavetta? So my surprise a lot of people in that seven earned run start. He actually didn't allow a home run. Very uh, surprising. But the thing is, okay, there's so much to talk about with the start. And one of my major takeaways is I just cannot get on board with how he's approaching his entire pitch mix. Uh, this should be a pitcher that's throwing 94-95 at the top of the zone. Uh, he has a very good four-seamer when he executes it right but the approach that they're going with is down and away, uh, sometimes going inside the lefties, but often just staying away. And the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. He has a really big curveball and actually a solid slider. That slider was not that good at all in that national start either, to be fair. Uh, but he looks often lost because he doesn't know where he's supposed to put his fastball. Am I supposed to go here or that? Everything to him seems hittable. And then mm-hmm. he spins curveballs into the zone that the national staters just just poked out into the outfield. It was pretty easy. Make contact, not a not a hard thing to do. And they didn't try to do too much of it, which is why you didn't see the, I think, the uh, the home runs against Nationals because 
they weren't really trying to like smack the ball super hard. They were just trying to make easy contact. Just wait for him to throw Mo- it into move the zone around the bases. Yep. Yeah. So just to keep moving guys around because it was it was available to them. Now this should be a guy. I mean, I preach it often. I mean, Pavetta has that blueprint of going up and into left-handers and just staying up constantly, even with right-handers, while pairing that with tunneling on his slider and his curveball. Uh, he needs to get take step forward, take a step forward with that fastball command because it's just not there. Uh, nope. he, can, he cannot put it where he wants right now. Uh, not to mention, we saw in spring training him going 97 at times, even uh, pushing that upper 90s. And he was sitting a lot 93, 94 in this start. Uh, actually averaging under 94 in that national start. He, I think, averaged about 93.5 against the Twins and then averaged 95 in that first start against the Braves. Um, if he had picked up on that, that's three good offenses, which should be mentioned at the very least. But. But I, I'm not confident with Pavetta all of a sudden next, the next start being, oh, okay, I know the right approach all of a sudden. It's going to be I'm going to be throwing all these fastballs up. That's not necessarily what he's going to do. And the fact that his fastball command isn't good even down in the zone, I mean, I'm scared. It's it's not what we expected, not the not the approach we saw a good amount last year. And uh, it, it's a bit frightening, Spore. Yeah, none none of the development that we expected with Nick Pavetta that made him such a popular sleeper. The idea was, you know, curb the home runs a little bit, stick with the nice plate skills that he already had, a 20% strikeout minus walk rate for Pavetta, and take off from there. And and that it just simply hasn't happened. And it's because he doesn't have a pitch he can go to at all right now. There's right. nothing that's reliable for him. Uh, the curveball a little, but you, you can't just no. go – 80% curveballs, and he, I don't even he threw a I don't couple. even trust that. He threw a couple that yeah. were really good. Um, there were sometimes, I mean, the one was just like an infield single or so, but there were some that were at the bottom of the zone. He earned outs with that. That's good. He went through the entirety of the zone and then was a strike about 95% of the pitch, and then it wasn't, and that generated an out, but there are also times he flopped it into the zone. Yes, flopped yep. it. That's what I'm going to call it no, now. It's a, Not flip Honestly, it. Flopped it creates it. the visual though. Like <laughs> flopped it in there, and it's a hittable uh, that curveball that just kind of just sits there, and you you feel like anyone could hit it. Chris Davis would get some hits off oh, of, yeah, right. off uh, of that curveball. But but, um, but not to mention the slider is not even doing much either. This was nope. a sixteen percent swing strike rate pitch last year, positive pitch for for Pavetta. He's not getting it thus far. He only threw nine in this in this outing. Yes, he threw ninety four pitches in under four innings against the Nationals. He only threw nine of them. It was four CSW, two swing strikes, and two called strikes, and there weren't, there wasn't really any good. Maybe it was one that was like, okay, this is actually a good slider, good job. But it starts with that fastball look. If Pavetta exactly. gets gets excited and well, not excited but comfortable with that heater up, then all of a sudden everything else looks even better because then it's paired off of it, it's tunneled down. There's a lot of anticipation for it. You know, I want to see one of those at bats where he's he's facing a right hander and then feels comfortable throwing sliders. Start start outside and then down and away off the zone. Uh, sorry, off the plate or out of the zone. And he's not doing uh, up that. with the fastball. Beat him with the slider. Exactly. Like I want to see one of those uh, decimation plate appearances from Nick Pavetta, and we just we're just not. Here's the tough part too, because we talk about this a lot in the context of whether or not you're going to cut somebody. If you can't start him in a two start week, they're probably a cut. Pavetta does have a two start week, but it's home against the Mets. And then a trip to Colorado. I know it's terrible. It's so bad. But the thing is, and he gets Miami after that, and you definitely, I mean, I would be, I'm telling you right now, April 26th against the Marlins, I'm starting Pavetta in all leagues. Yes. I'm doing that. Here's the thing. I know. <laughs> I think, if okay, daily league, 
I think you can try to go for the Mets start if you want to stick with them. If you're in a deep enough daily moves league, start Pavetta against the Mets. Don't start him against the, the Rockies. If you're in a weekly league, though, I wonder, and you would be expending some assets, uh, or maybe not that many, though, but you cut him under the idea that no one's going to pick him up for right, right. Colorado. And then you pick him back up next week, next Sunday, for the Miami start. You know, I don't think he's going to show out enough against the Mets and at Colorado for to make him like some big fab god. If anything, he might do well against the Mets, struggle in Colorado, and everyone's like, nah, Pavetta's still not that good. He doesn't go for that much off the waiver wire. You reacquire him, and then you try to get him for the for the Marlins start and hope that you see some things this week. But I don't know. I, I certainly no. I, it's not that I don't know. I know in a twelve teamer, I can't start him with this yeah. two start in a weekly moves league. I can't just let him go to Colorado. So, so there are a lot of people that are going to say, okay, there's no way you're starting him against the Mets. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Pavetta is someone that we've known to be a bit of a cherry bomb, right? He can be incredibly good or really bad, and the team doesn't matter, right? So. Even in Colorado, theoretically, that could be good. I don't sure. want to go with it. You're completely right. In a weekly league, I do not want to start him for those two starts. And not to mention, I, mean, I, did, I did say, okay, April 26th against the Miami Marlins, I want to start Pavetta. But his schedule for the year is not good. It's Nationals again after that, and then it would be St. at St. Louis, and then Milwaukee. Oh. And he does get to host the, the Rockies, but then it's Milwaukee again, then the Dodgers. It just Holy doesn't get easy. Smokes. It doesn't get like, easy. We talk about the division for the NL East, but you're talking about all this NL Central stuff. He's getting the he's getting the Titans of that division right. too. So this is bad. Yeah, this is not something that I'm encouraged about. At the same time, I'm gonna at least mention exactly what we just said. That if Pavetta figures this out, if Pavetta gets comfortable, it doesn't matter who he's facing. Yeah. But Right. In a 12-teamer, if I see anything decent in the wire, especially like something you can do daily and swap and maybe even stream, I think I would honestly go with that right now. So if you want to do the work, if you're if you're one of the Pavetta believers and you're really having a hard time cutting him, I understand. You know, I've been there. Luis Castillo, you know, we had that struggle last year. You have to do the homework then. You have to watch the Mets start. You have to look for his confidence with the fastball, particularly up, but really anywhere in the zone. If he's commanding it, if he's hitting, right. if he's hitting Real Muto's glove, ahead. he's getting ahead where he wants to with the fastball to bring in the curve and slider. You can take positives away from that, even if the numbers aren't great. And then, of course, watch the Colorado start too, right? Because you can win with a fastball in Colorado. So if you see some positives with the fastball against the Mets and he takes it to Colorado – Okay, you can see it. So you have to be diligent and do your homework if you really want to keep him. I think it's a reserve situation. Um, if, if you're not going to cut him, I know we say don't cut anybody that you're not going to start in a two week in a, in a two start week. This is an extenuating circumstance because of the upside of Pavetta. So it's 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 it is a case by case. I don't have a definitive. You must do this. Right. If you really want to believe, bench and watch. If you're if you're you were bought in because you heard us and any everybody else in the industry saying Nick Pavetta is a nice scoop and you're you're fed up with it, I fully understand cutting in every mixed league format. Yeah, it, it's really tough. I mean, we're only two weeks in, and uh, that's the bottom line too. Is that we're right. still three starts? They've right. just been disastrous. And they've been so bad. And obviously during the off season, you know, we see everything as six months. And when we're talking, uh, and then it's not about the first couple of weeks; it's about six months. 
So mm-hmm. over time, we do think that we're going to get a lot of Pavetta. Some people are saying, oh, we're only going to see, you know, a third of the good and two thirds of the bad. Well, we don't really know right now. What we do know is that Pavetta is not at all the man that we wanted him or thought he should be out of the gates. Um, he looks a bit lost and his approach isn't right. And the breaking stuff really isn't saving him like it should either. So it's very worrisome. There is obviously the opportunity they can get uh, can get fixed, but as of now, I mean, yeah, I think I put him around thirty three or so, thirty four, pretty well, in forty one. Yeah, I'm forty one well, and up now. Gonna... Now, but oh, at the beginning yeah, of the year started. Yeah, 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 we were in the high thirties with Pavetta, right? Which is actually kind of consensus. I think it was around thirty five was consensus with Pavetta. But yeah, I, I would imagine that I in, uh, encouraged uh, drafting Pavetta more so than most. So, obviously, I was wrong there in that respect. Uh, It's disappointing to see it now. Uh, But who knows? I mean, it's still very possible that Pavetta figures out something where it's, okay, cool, I need to get behind this fastball and keep it up because this isn't working. Maybe I will try something else. (laughs) Something different should go for. Um, Let's play. Let's do some names. Let's close it off by matching him with some names because you do have him 41st. That was coming into the week. I'm I'm assuming he's he's coming down. down, So, let's talk about some guys behind him. Let's start with another mega dud. Right. Nathan Eovaldi. Right. So I actually, this is funny. My last two SB roundups, as the article I do every single night talking about the, that day's slate of games, uh, I, I led with Pavetta on Thursday morning because, okay, I need to talk about this. And then it was Eovaldi this morning. I uh, I can see Eovaldi fixing it faster. Okay. Um, because, I mean, two reasons. One, I think he doesn't have to go through the gauntlet that uh, Pavetta has to go through. Correct, because he's um, on one of the great teams in the right. AOEs. And, and two, it, it's, it, I think it's a lot easier with his. It's really just that he has got to throw more four-seamers up. I don't get this. I really don't get this. He did it all last year. This is why Eovaldi was on that amazing stretch. Was that he suddenly realized, oh, I could throw cutters for strikes and then this amazing four-seamer up. Because just that's where the velocity for, yep. will be even you know, more amplified. And he's not doing that. He keeps setting up low and away, and he's throwing the ball down. And I don't... I just don't get it. It's been frustrating. As somebody who was really bought in on Eovaldi, perhaps even more so than Pavetta, really, I, I loved Eovaldi coming in. This has been an utter nightmare. Um, I'm with you, though. Based on the research, I want to stick with Pavetta, or with uh, with Eovaldi a little bit more. And so I think that's where I'm still leaning. It's darn close, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, but yeah, I think I would give the, the, the edge to Eovaldi right now. Okay, let's go with some more positive names then ah, and then go. put you really to the test. Um, I'll do a quick one here. This guy's been much better, but what's the outlook rest of the way? Chris Paddock versus Nick Pavetta. Oh, that's a good one. I'd go with Paddock, honestly. I think Paddock, you, you think know the value too. you're going to get now. I mean, yes, he didn't. He wasn't as pristine last time out. But he's against Cardinals in St. Louis. Like, he's going to have struggles, right? Right, now, obviously. Don't... We're not expecting, like, a uh, Cy Young campaign here. Exactly. But, you yeah, know, I think he, his foundation with that heater is just instantly going to propel him to be more consistent than Pavetta. I agree. I'll, I'll go with that as well. What about his teammate, Joey Lucchese? That's really close to me. I ooh, I want I want to say Pavetta, honestly. Um Lucchese, I think, is someone that is getting figured out over time. Uh, okay, considering You're that concerned get, about that. People get well. The thing is, he throws this curve, yes, curveball changeup, and I think over as as time goes on, that's going to be less of a mysterious pitch. Um, and his fastball isn't that good, and the four seamer was supposed to be the new pitch with a with cut action on it, and he 
barely touched it last time. It's completely just forgotten about. Well, and we didn't really get a full chance to see how much they might have caught up to Lucchese last year because it was 130 innings that was shut down by injury. Right. Um, so that, you know, we're 14 innings deep here. He does have some good skills. I understand your concerns on Lucchese. I'm going to actually I'm going to actually side with him right now with Lucchese yeah. over Pavetta. It is a very close one, though, despite the fact that you look at Lucchese's numbers and you see 440-133 ERA whip combo with a 177 FIP, and you're like, how could you possibly say Pavetta's close? That's what we're talking about with the three weeks, though. You analyze and you're really looking more of a long-term thing. I do think that, uh, again, going back to the schedule thing, though, Padres are going to have an easier run. Yeah, you're right. That's right. That's Even a good point. being in the NL West and getting, you know, yeah. going to Colorado and facing the Dodgers. So I'm a lean Lucchese there. Uh, it is it is closer than I would you know, have expected. That, that schedule remark actually might make me lean Lucchese now, too. That's good. Okay, so uh, two more here. One, a, a new riser who's probably going to go up again. He was plus nine this week. We're Boyd boys, baby. Yes, we what are. About, what about Matthew Boyd? Oh, yeah, definitely Boyd. Pavetta. Okay. Easy, oh, yeah. Easy, yes. Easy, easy. The schedule's so good, too. Six weeks exactly. of like. Just, AL Central, oh, baby. That's amazing. Let's go. And Let's the go. Pirates. Oh. <laughs> Last, yeah, exactly. Last one, speaking of AL Central. Yeah. Because uh, they might start to let him go a little bit. What Michael Pineda versus. Oh, Joe man. That, that, uh, oh, Fast would be so happy to hear that. Uh, I honestly, I think, I think Pineda is going to be climbing up. Obviously, it depends a bit on what we see tomorrow because we haven't seen two starts thus far. But yeah, I mean, if it, they play, there's a major like we right. It was supposed to be Tiger today. Got called tonight, and, and then, there's a major snowstorm. So hopefully, by the way, if he doesn't do that well and it's like thirty degrees, I'm not like, going to judge, judge him it on carefully. That, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think I honestly would just go Pineda. Um, the thing is, it might, it, I have a tier seven right now on the on the list. That's like from Kyle Hendricks at forty two, all the way to Derek Holland at sixty three. The big one, the big one. It's block. massive. So well, there could be a lot of movement inside of this. Uh, considering, all right, right now, I mean, with Pavetta, especially in a twelve teamer, right now, I don't really want to own Pavetta, but I do want to own Michael Pineda. Yep. And I don't really feel like you're going to miss so much. Um, I will say this about the Lucchese thing. Like Lucchese's falling a lot in this tier. It's just about where am I putting. Pavetta in tier seven, he's probably going to be at the very bottom of it, honestly. I think so, so I think Pineda's going to be higher. Let me steal one more, and then we'll bounce. Yeah, go ahead. John Gray co- coming oh, off of a man. nice start last night. Now it was in San Francisco, so the normal caveats apply. And right. he obviously pitches right. half his games. You know, he's had, he's had the benefit of t- two road games in San Francisco and Miami. Right. And you know, against the Dodgers at home, six innings, five runs. Four strikeouts, two walks. Like that's kind of you know that's that's course for you. So John Gray versus Nick Pavetta. Well, he because the schedule he thing San is San Diego next in San in, Diego. In San Diego, okay, that's you know. So like I mean, I would rather offense. I'd rather have that start. I mean, that's pretty much where we're at right now. These are guys that if they're on the wire, that means they'll be in the wire later too. Correct. So he actually gets I a would... two start. By the way, he's facing Pavetta in Sunday's game. Yeah, John Gray is. Oh, that's interesting. So, okay, so ESPN has Gray on Monday at the Nationals or, or hosting the Nationals in Coors the following oh, okay. week. So, Roto-Wire. who knows? Maybe, maybe right. Who knows? Yeah, Rotowire has him as a as a two star. He has him on Monday and then Sunday. ESPN's got Tuesday and Monday. I'll check they on got this him later. Tuesday, Sunday. Huh. Well, who, okay, so who do they have? Anderson, Gray, Bad- Freeland, uh, Marquez. Do they have a fifth starter in there? Oh yeah, well, it's, yeah. Tyler Anderson's on the the IL now. That's the, that's the so, question. So, yeah, I don't know. Is it going to be Sensatella? Rotowire's assuming. Hoffman? Hoffman was I, supposed to start, and then he didn't. 
Maybe they bring back Aaron Cook. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so uh, uh, okay, that's, we're gonna wrap that up. Hopefully, we're giving you some clarity. There's not a there's not a ton to be had just yet with only three starts. It is bad right now. I do understand cutting. I do not think you just have to grind it out with Pavetta. If you want to, again, do your homework, watch him, look for fastball command above anything else. That's going to be kind of your key indicator as to whether or not Pavetta is taking the steps necessary. And uh, if you do want to cut him, you might be able to cut him for this week, get him back next, jump on the Miami start, and then kind of play it by ear from there. But exactly. uh, we'll still mix these in. I love doing our ones where we talk about a few players each, but our deep dives on one singular player, we're not gonna we're not gonna lose sight of those. So Nick, enjoyed a little two week uh, or two 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 pod week that I enjoyed here but next week we'll talk on Friday and be ready to go again sounds good I'll talk to you then